0: I was one of the best in the world in sports that I loved and I still love. Sports life has to come to an end at some point, and you're a reasonably young person when that comes. Any profession, if you want to be very successful, you have to have a laser focus. Investing roles are still people's business. You're doing business with people. You have to be on the road, you have to meet. The notion why U.S. is so successful in startups is because they're almost promoting it's okay to fail.
1: How does a world-class tennis player become a private equity investor? Find out in an interview with Mario Antic.
2: Mario, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So what are you doing here? What does uh, a tennis ace have to do with technology investments?
0: Thank you for, for welcoming me. Um, I'm super excited to be here. And uh, I think that's the story of this podcast. Is going to be um, how does somebody who um, was for 15 plus years was uh making sure that his fans and uh, people who supported him have the best show uh now i'm supporting others to have the best products and uh, uh support companies um that transition has been uh very exciting and interesting uh definitely i can say it's been almost two different lives, uh, but i um, excited to be here and excited about uh, sharing my story.
1: Yeah. Well, let's go to the story. Uh, We're actually here at Infobip uh, Quantum in Vodnjan and Infobip is one of your uh, investments. Uh, how did that happen? How did you become their investor?
0: well i mean to um to get there we have to take a step back um i think it's it's fair to say to the to the audience who um you know maybe some people still uh, when they hear my name they associate me with tennis which is something probably into sports which is something i will always have but for the last 11 years when uh, my life kind of made it made you know turn it upside down and uh when i made that transition to the business due to Um, you know, my health reasons that I was forced to stop playing sports that I loved and and that I uh, gave my life to. Um, The other path took me to the United States, took me to uh, Columbia University, took me to Wall Street, took me to finance. And um, at the moment, as, uh, you know, cherry on the cake has been uh, investments that I've I've made. Uh, I've been part of the team that's, uh, work for uh, one equity partners, um, and we are proudly, we can say uh, partners to um, uh, to InfoBip founders, and we're supporting them last couple of years into this growth, exciting growth story that we're all part of. So how did that came to be? Yeah that came to be um, well, it's interesting. Um, we've started talking to uh, to Isabel roberto and silvio completely by you know accident uh, which most of the things do happen like that Uh, through our uh friends in um in the business world in, in in croatia um we were introduced to them um as as a company that's been growing but you know everybody knowing silvio roberto and isabel know that they're basically keeping such a low profile um, yeah, that at that we, time when we you know met them first time, um, we were like, you know, great stories, see pass, interesting, but- uh, Very unassuming. Our, our mouth dropped when they told us <laughs> how much revenues they had. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, can I say it here, but like, doesn't really matter. It's just, they were already um, company that's had a very, you know, it was, it was a very sizable company already at the time. And, and we were looking, um, together with, uh, with my colleague, Ante, who's, who's also at one equity partners. We were like looking and seeing how the beep, we did not hear <laughs> about this company because we're, we're both creations. We're both in New York. We both work in private equity. Our job is to find and look for companies in United States and in, um, and in Europe that we came back and our whole growth story for our fund has been supporting um managers supporting founders in you know further acquisition further expansion so we we're like how, like how is this possible like we've we felt we know you know all the but i think it just tells you the 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 you know great great people first of all that the founders are uh very, very down downturned, very focused on the company, very focused on giving themselves their time, reinvesting constantly their bootstraps since the beginning, uh, providing the best service they can give without, you know, any spotlight, without asking for anything right. in return in that sense. Um, and you know, as soon as we, we start talking, we are like, well, um, obviously like you know, after after some some discussions, we said, well, we would love to, you know, get more, you know, in depth as as usually the way the process works is, is is obviously you start scanning a little bit more and more. You got asked ask more and more and more information. And, um you know, we then start our diligence into the whole CPAS space, which became uh, almost, I mean, it, it it is in my life now. Um, and that's the beauty of what I do now is in companies you invest, they become your, you know, that's what you live and breathe with. Um, so then that that's how we started. We, we started having these discussions. Um, it took some time. We met in Croatia, we met in London. We met um, in all these, um, you know, several meetings where we were trying to figure out how we can help because they're bootstrapped. We said, listen, like if there are some sizable things that we think would make sense, we can help you. Otherwise, you guys are on a great path. We can only come and, and support. So I think in discussions that we had um, in, um, in the changes that were happening in the CPAS world, in consolidation that were starting to happen, um, I think they realized that they would like to have a partner that can help them with, in this side of the business um with with equity with expertise with strategy and and things so together with them and the team we've highlighted and this is what we usually do is we highlighted regions and companies that would make sense for us to go and uh put them together with infobip so we highlighted us is obviously a big um you know chapter of of the future growth for 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 infobip and uh but you know, again, as I mentioned, the the best things in life happen for, um, you know, just by accident, and and this this happened too. I got a phone call one day when I was in New York, and um, the rest is history, as they say.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about this a bit later on, but uh, I just wanted to make sure that our audience is aware that you are not a VC investor; you're in, into private equity. Uh, why is that? Why didn't you choose a VC investment career? What was the appeal of private equity for you?
0: Um, so usually what people do in uh, in the business in U.S. and in general is, you know, you spend two or three years, you go to Wall Street, you go to consulting, where you kind of learn the, the base and the fundamentals of the business. And then after that, you start making the transition and if you want to be an investor, there's kind of like four main avenues. And uh, obviously, one is VC, venture capital, private equity, hedge funds, so investing in the public. Um, and the fourth one is like credit investment. So mm-hmm. when I was in, uh, you know, making that move, I always kind of enjoy more the private equity type of investing than VC. VC for me, um, I am I like to be more, I like the analytical side uh, of of the business. I like it's more numeric. You are back in companies that already have, you know, significant record in terms of revenues, margins, growth. Um, and um, there are, uh, you know, there is a story that you can, of course, make. It's an art and a science, but it just, that was something that was more, personally, I felt it was yeah. better for me um you know vc has has obviously been um something that you know a lot of um a lot of actually my colleagues from wall street went to vcs as well um and they're still doing really well but just for me personally i just like more later stage investments and um than uh, you know really early stage investments so talking about personal preferences, like and and
2: moving back a bit, uh, reading some of your earlier interviews, it's obvious that your parents had a lot of uh, a lot of uh, influence on and impacted your career choices, both in, in tennis and after. Um, a lot of uh, like players don't really um, invest in their academic career or just like education and so on. You did why that choice? Um, and how did it work out for you?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's something that I'm always stressing on my interviews, um, is, is the value of education. Um, and, and the reason for regard is, is I kind of say, use my example. I was one of the best in the world in sports that I loved and I still love, but you know, the sports life has to come to an end at some point and you're, reasonably young person when that comes um you know obviously the the, the age that you know now you can say mid-30s but whatever but in any in any case you're a very young person that so there's a whole life after that um that was a team that uh, i like to stress now to a lot of people who are younger now and kind of saying listen you can do both it's not like one or another mm-hmm. number one and number two that's type of like um, reasoning was instilled with me through, through, through our family. Um, basically they were the one who were pushing us or oh, my brother and my sister, we all completed the, um, the colleges and, uh, we went different directions, but, um, this was very important for them is they always said, we want as a parents to make sure that you as a person are as, as diverse and have a lot of interest and um and then you secondly you come as an athlete um so that obviously that was the big influence from them in terms of um the career choice they had absolutely no like when they i when i told them that i'm going to this they would say like we've never imagined you being in finance. We've never imagined you being in, in you know, type of like investment roles. Uh, we could never envision that. So for them it was, it was, um, but they always stressed education as, as, as important and how did that work for me? I think it worked great because when, you know, when you, um, you know, for, for athletes, um, if you want to be, well, any profession, if you're to be very successful, you have to have a laser focus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, sports kind of takes that to radicalize that and takes it to another level because you have to be fully committed to the craft you're doing because it's a huge competition. And secondly, you're only doing for a limited time. Mm-hmm. So everything has to come secondary. Um, so although I was always, you know, normal high school, started my college when I was already a pro. Um, it was all, it was always, you know, a number one priority. Um, and when you stop for whatever reason, in my case, it was very radical, again, because I was through to health reasons, I had to stop. Uh, I was, you know, 24, 25, yeah. um, came as a huge shock. But having that background in education, having that, um ability to, you know, pushing myself on that front as well, open many doors, which to be honest with you, they, I wouldn't have those options if I didn't continue studying when I was in Croatia, if I didn't study and apply for schools in US, I wouldn't have those options. I wouldn't have the option to now we're talking about investments in Infobip or i having investing in um, and, you know, being part of, of a great, you know, of a great private equity fund in New York and having different colleagues, different life, different experiences, uh, I would be, um, short of that. Um, again, having said that sports is, is still a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. I still work out and work out every day. Uh, worked out this morning early and before I left, like there's, there's almost, almost not a day where I don't work out, but again that kind of opened the doors to be to much bigger platform and something that I'm really proud in my life what what happened even though I had a huge shock in my life, I was able to recover and move into something where I feel now very happy. Uh, And it's also something that I feel it's it's my responsibility to younger generation who are following me who are looking into this story to say, you know, you don't know what's going to happen, but if you have something in your, you know, as, as uh, to support you, it may take you a long way. Um, so I think it's uh, in my case, it worked well for me. And I know in a lot of other cases, a lot of other athletes, um, you know, I would say at, at One Equity uh, we pride ourselves for having that strong athlete's background. Uh, we have uh, several, um, you know, uh, Olympic um, winners. We have uh, you know, close to ten Olympians uh, at our fund. Uh, it's been uh, founded by the uh, person Dick Cashin, who is not only a legend in investing and private equity space, but he's also uh, a two-time Olympian. Um, so it, it just it, there is a, there is, uh, and I think the reason for all of that is is if you can do both. You know, sports gives you a lot. I mean, it gives you perseverance, it gives you how to stress under pressure, it gives you a lot of intangibles that if you can then be able to move another side, I think it gives you a lot of advantages.
1: That's really interesting. But yeah, I agree with you, uh, you need to show to young people that they need to have options and plan B and C as you had, but did you ever consider becoming a trainer, especially early on when your injury happened, you were probably still in your mind in in sports.
0: Yeah. Um, I never really thought about that option because there was just a period of time when I had to stop and for audience I stopped for, I was forced to stop due to health reasons. Um, maybe the audience is in sports, maybe they're into tech, maybe they're investing, but just to clarify, I, I was, forced to stop by you know, doctors due to my health reasons. Um, as a result of that, I was not able really to play sports, which meant I was not really able to, you know, for a couple of years to commit myself to you know, be on a court and okay. push myself and so on and so on. Um, and in the, during that time, you know, I finished my education in Croatia. I already moved to US, I applied to schools in US. So by the time when, you know, in a a sense of like, you know, sports, when I recovered to be fine, uh, it took a couple of years. And then I was already on a different path, Um, you know. And that path took me to where we are now. Uh, But I'm still mentoring a lot of people. I'm still helping them. you know, went to, after when I was in US with Columbia University, I'm very close to the tennis team there. Mm-hmm. I still train with them, I play, I give advice, also in Split or in Zagreb when I'm um, in Croatia as well, or when I'm doing certain camps um, in US. Uh, I try to, you know, sports gave me a lot. Um, I still have a huge passion for sports, I love it. It's part of my DNA. It's part of DNA of my family, all three of us, siblings. So my, I have an older brother, younger sister, we all started in tennis. Um, so it's, it's just something that I feel it's, it's my duty to, to give back, you know, although I'm not full-time trainer, uh, there's still a lot of things that I can see and an experience that I went through. And, um, so, I, I still feel whoever wants to listen, I'm 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 um, there to give advice. I don't feel like it's my duty to like push into something, but um, most of the time um, there's a lot of younger people who kind of ask me for advice, and I think it's also like what we talked earlier is is you know do we turn pro? Do we stay in school? Do we do this? Do we that? Like you know I kind of went through it both a little bit different route, but mm-hmm. um, I love mentoring that. That's that's a huge part of of um, of what I like to do in in my in my free time and uh, you know kind of connecting um, the love that I have for for sports and it still gives me a chance to like you know give back and and uh, see what's going on in the, you know in the sports world uh, because things are changing I mean same as in business yeah things change a lot and they change quickly um, you can't say oh this is how it was done you know uh, no 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 I mean. Technology is getting into sports, research is getting into sports, a lot of investments getting. And, um, you know, when we talk about connections between sports and business, I think one of the main connection is there's no status quo. Okay. That's literally the only reason, either you're growing and you're, you know, creating value and you're, you know, making decisions and you're, you know, improving your strategy and you are, you know, going, you know, one way or another or competition is behind you Mm -hmm. and they're stealing your, you know, they're stealing your, your lunch. As they say in sports, in sports, they beat you in business. It takes a little bit longer to see it because, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't really play on the court with live TV and, you know, so you know exactly the outcome, but people in industry know whether these guys invested in products, whether they invest here, whether they invest or they're lagging or what's happening. So that's something that it's for me very similar. And that's why I feel very comfortable in this role, because it just almost feels like, well, I've been doing it for such a long time. And Mm -hmm. the mindset that I have is you can apply it in a sense here, because I can say to people, listen, like, no, we can't, we got to, try to do this or this or try and fail and it's fine. I mean, but um there is um you know there's some of we, we look at between six to eight hundred companies a year. Um so sometimes you hear we're good and my answer is you're not good. You cannot be good. <laughs> you either are making decisions or if you say you're good, you will see the results in yeah. a year or two or three. I I hate to be the bear or bad news, but if you don't do anything this will think things will happen competition will get better other people will invest. other people will, will create opportunities so there's just something that I, I I feel comfortable because it feels like almost I've done it for such a long yeah. time in sports and it's it is a very um uh connected thing and if you look at you know Silvio Roberto Izo I mean they're they're still pushing hard they're still finding the way they're still on the road they're and, and it's again, it's an exciting to be part of, of of the team of people and team of leaders who are mm-hmm. thinking that way.
1: We actually missed the chapter in your life and career while, while we were talking, and that's the law. You actually mm-hmm. finished a law school in Croatia in Split and in Columbia in New York. And if I'm not mistaken, you passed the bar exam. Yeah. That's pretty hard. <laughs> Uh, what drew you to law, and how does that knowledge from uh, your education and uh, working in law help helps you today
0: yeah. in making? No, it, it's very interesting. I mean, I've you know, same as I had um you know different visions of how my sports. You know, I because I, I was planning to play mid thirties. You know, my life stopped from a sports perspective. Change it went different direction. I was always thinking that I'm gonna be involved in like a sports law, like a sports lawyer, sports agent, something like that. So having the legal background helped a lot. Would help a lot. Um, You know, we all look at Jerry Maguire. I was like, ah, that's I can't believe. (laughs) Uh, And uh, but you know, it's I would say that after my after my career, when I uh, moved to US. Um, you know, the at Columbia when it basically like um, the way the JD program is set is, is kind of opens a lot of doors and it's not and that's more like a US type of view on education is like we will give you the best education therefore you can go in different directions like for example we have engineers and mathematicians who work in finance industries we have so it's more like a cross yeah. you know cross um you know you you can study one thing but you can figure it out other because it, it is touching in certain parts in other parts they're saying well listen we'll give you the best education and you figure out because obviously in us you have you know a lot of opportunities um and and um so that's that was for me was um, as I was kind of getting into quote unquote normal life and and you know, I was in New York, I was in Columbia. I was for me, I know it's been you know, people laugh, but for me it was a huge thing. I was waking up in my own bed. I had like a you know, as a tennis player, you are on the road for like 300 days a uh, year. You're constantly traveling, you're constantly away. And for me, it was like refreshing to know. I'm like, okay, I'm actually waking up in the same bed. I'm like having breakfast. I'm seeing yeah. friends. Like I'm starting to like to build this this network here. And um, as a result, a lot of that was also like you know was part of soul searching because they say, listen, one of the experiences of being in Colombia is you have a great education, but you also are, you know, in New York. So take advantage of that. Like go out there and you know have coffee chats, meet these people, and so. I started meeting people in different industry, you know, legal industry, business industry, finance, sports. And as I was like, you know, navigating, I had a great opportunity. I was an intern. I did an internship at the NBA. Um, mm-hmm. So how like the first class sports organization is run. And, you know, I, went and I and when I was kind of talking to different people, I kind of felt like, um, you know, business and you know this type of finance, more type of investing roles. I'm getting more and more interested about them, as opposed of just a, you know a, like a legal career, which again you're. It's it's a you know you look at the similar deals just from a different lenses. And uh, um, you know in all the deals that I'm still working with, um, uh, I'm working with lawyers as well. So. But it was just different lenses, and 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 this type of like finance slash investing was something a little bit more appealing to me. But having the legal background helps a lot because I think you're, you're you're thinking about, um, um, you know, you're thinking about kind of the um, what can go wrong and how can I protect that uh, in a sense because, as as everything in life, if thing goes well, it goes well and. But you have to try to make sure that if things don't go as well, how do I protect? What are the safeguards? what's the governance and and the, a lot of these things still helps me? Uh, although I'm not, you know, working as a lawyer. I moved, you know, almost eight years ago into finance. Um, but still, I feel like the there was um, a great training. Let's okay. put it that way. It's a great training. It creates you, you know. It gives you certain, you know, same as they say, being an engineer, it's it's a great training. Like, it doesn't really matter what, you know, we talked earlier. There's people look at different businesses, but with that engineering mindset, um, I think I've also felt in my case having that, you know, legal background as well. Like, you know, this type of analytical thinking and, um, um, you know, breaking down problems helped me as well in what I'm doing now.
2: So analytical thinking, which is a good transition, um, you already mentioned that private equity is more about numbers than we see. You track Mm -hmm. hundreds of companies each year. Um, how do you do that? How do you track like trends, select companies, has technology like AI obviously helped along the way? How does that work out?
0: Well, I mean, if you look at it, what's changed, it changed a lot. Um, a couple of things, first of all, I mean, we all, take it for granted, but we all live in Zoom and Teams and world now. I mean, it's almost when people were saying that before COVID, people were like, wait, what? Although you had capabilities, but it wasn't as, as, as um, you know, people were not using it, which gives you actually more of opportunities to talk and have, let's say, those analytical diligence. You can do it over phone now. Well, over Zoom, because you can... You know bring the data you can bring it you people can look at it we can discuss so i think there's a lot of things that you can help a lot. you know post COVID in terms of technology that you can now helps your your diligence you can help which means basically scanning the company like try to look at certain what happened here what happened there look at the margins look at the financials you know try to really dig into and understanding the company and, and the space um, so, in that sense, it's changed a lot. I would say it's in a, in a sense of we're still um, investing roles are still people's business. You're doing business with people. So, you have to have, you have to be on the road. You have to meet them. You have to be there. You have to be, you have to be present. You have to. Um, you know know what drives people you have to know what their strategy is you have to know their strength weaknesses as a manager you those are the things you have like it's almost like it's impossible to do it um unless you're you're there you have to like feel what they're saying especially um so I would say that part is still remains, even as, as, as I mentioned that we as a fund, we look at between six to 800 companies a year. So there's a lot of companies we meet, um, which means there's a lot um, that you're on the road. But there's a lot of, let's say, this type of analytical that we were talking about, like there's a lot of these analytical ty- type of like background discussions that you can now do. Um, with the, um, you know, that's change kind of post-COVID that yeah. also helps because now you can, you know, you don't have to maybe waste each other's time for something that you can, you know, spend a couple of hours or a couple of days and then do the, all these sessions. But um, I would say it's it's a mix and um, it is something, again, like like I said in the beginning, the reason why I went more into private equity is... I would say VCs probably look the same amount of companies, uh, different, you know, obviously different stages. But I just like more this later stage of companies because there is data to analyze. There is just constantly you're analyzing, you're, you're discussing, you're, you know, together with your team because we always do, we always look at companies in, in a deal teams. So it's always two or three people. My colleagues we're trying bouncing ideas of. What do you think of that, about this space? Well, what if this happens, what if this happens? So um, and there's, you know, there's there's a lot of data that you have to like assess and like try to back your argument with. So that's something what I like, but um, I would say it, it, it changed. Um, but again, there is still the, this notion of, um, you know, it's still a people's business and you are partnering with a certain person. Um, for better or worse, uh, for some, you know, for at least couple of years, um, and and um, you know what I say to when I'm talking to to other companies, and I said, listen, like we are, we think we can give, be good partners for you because of you know blah blah blah, uh, but you have to deal with us too, like <laughs> so, and and but you know that's that's all type of that process um because what we feel is once you made the investment the show show goes on i mean that's where you're you know the the, the clock starts kind of ticking and things that you've discussed with the founders of the ma- management is let's go now and start implementing it so
2: yeah the interesting part for me is again like with tennis and sports where you mentioned like there's all this technology but the human factor is is crucial the same is true for
0: yeah, yeah i mean 100 um you have to know what drives people you have to know what's pushing people you have to know how to react as managers when there's a stressful situation i mean these are things that um that are important and those are the ones which make good leaders or bad leaders um and these are things that i mean it's all a work in progress for all of us um and you're constantly improving and you're constantly changing you constantly but the, um, like you said, it's, it's, um, you know, particularly for for infobip, you know, that the division of the founders is bigger, better, stronger, we're just getting started. Yeah. And that's the, that's the team you um, that's the team that's, that's, that's exciting, because you know, that OK, we have this, you know, we obviously we have arguments, we have different opinions on something and so on and so on. I mean, which is normal. I mean, we're bouncing ideas of each other. But at the end of the day, we feel it's, a, you know, we're going in the same direction, mm-hmm. uh, which I think it's, it's always the most important thing. What I felt in sports what I feel in businesses is, is as long as we have the same goal, as long as we're both working on, on the same thing on all our different you know, sides, uh, of the of the part um, you know, that's, that's very important. Therefore, I think it's very important to also plan things in advance and saying, okay, what are we doing here? How can we help you? What is the plan? Um, which is something that i you know, felt we, we try as a fund to over communicate things so that everybody have expectations on what's what's expected. Mm-hmm. Because if you want to go in a different direction or there's different plans that's that's fine too but maybe then we're not a, a great partner for you and that's fine yeah. um so I think the you know communication leadership you know personal growth or changing uh, ability to uh, perform under pressure um are just something that that uh, it's you know very similar to, to sports and business and it's something I felt uh, for me and definitely some of my colleagues that were at One Equity, having that, you know, world-class sports experience helped us. Uh, I'm sure there are other experiences that help other people, but this, in our case, it felt that sports was the one that's connecting all this, uh, you know, business uh, mindset.
2: About the the performance, just to ask, uh, if, if you had to choose, who do you think, in general, deals better with like stress and and like dealing with stress and, and performance, like world class athletes or world class like founders? <laughs> tough question. I mean, it's, it's a
0: tough question. It's a tough question. Controversial one. It's it's a controversial. I mean, it's a different type of pressure. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I would say there is more pressure on the founders, because in a sense of you're, you know, there's hundreds of people that, you know, if the business is doing well, you know, people need to get their salary, these, you know, thousands of people that they have, their families, their kids, you know, so as an athlete, you don't have that responsibilities. Um, so there's different type of pressure where from a physical perspective, where you're pushing yourself really hard and deep and you're feeling the pain than work class athlete, um, which is also connected to how you're dealing with that. But different, I mean, it's it's obviously like, you know, um, taking responsibilities and driving the company um, is is obviously you know or driving taking responsibility and driving your team and helping your team grow and 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 because then they um you know each sports is 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 i mean sports are different but they're they're almost the same i mean Mm -hmm. similar mindset you have to have um if you want to be good but i think the there's also a huge component as as i said you know like there's constantly um um I would say this this responsibility to, to a lot of people, I would say that that's something that's, I'm sure a lot of founders, when I talk to them, this is something that, you know, keeps them up in the night, because, you know, it's something that they feel personally responsible to, to all these people that are working with them um, to, you know, keep growing and, and keep building the business.
1: Let's go back to your relationship with founders of the companies you've invested in. Mm -hmm. Um, How does that relationship look like day to day? How involved are you in their business decisions, meetings, etc?
0: I would say as a fund, we take the the approach that we try to be very active um, and we try to be very involved. Um, of what, course. Does that, what, what does that what mean? Does it mean? Yeah, that's that's. I was just trying to get there. So, you know, it's it's tough to say, you know, if they're the, the, the different, you know, there's different, you know, type of like, let's say there's a family that own company for three or four generations or okay. something or there's a, you know, it's, and it's been in their, like, in their DNA uh, for a long time, then, then, of course, it's, you know, it's, things are, I mean, things are always sensitive, because at some point, you need to like sometimes be a bear or bad news because you want to improve or, you know, they can push you as well. But I would say we try to say to the founder, listen, like we'll never know as good of the industry or particular product in details as much as as you will. And that's fine.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: But there's certain parts of where we're very strong. So we can complement each other. And which means... I would say we talk on a daily slash weekly basis with yeah. some of our founders in management um because there's always something that could be something that we can you know split you go here you go there like um so i mean it's it's and then there, there could be you know like a few weeks where it's a little bit more quiet but i would say we tend to be very active we tend to be have a daily slash weekly discussions with our with our partners. Um, and we're kind of like, we like to be you know, we like to know, and we always say listen, like, we, we would like to, um, we can help you here, we can help you there. Or, okay, you went, I don't know, you went to Germany, how's the market there? How what's happened? Like, what, who did you talk to what happened? So there's, I would say there there are constant discussions, uh, updates, um, strategy discussions. Of course, there's when there's things that are like you know bigger, like okay, we need to get to U.S. and this is the company we're buying. Obviously, that was very intense. I mean, we would talk to the um, you know with Infobip founders in particular. We would talk several times a day. Oh. Um, and of course, there's certain periods where, okay, we are now, uh, you know, making sure we integrate everything. Let's make sure it hurts. So maybe there's a little bit less. But I would say, on a daily slash weekly uh, basis, we we try to talk to our uh, partners, founders, CEOs. Sometimes, I mean, also like the the relationship grows. So first you start with the founders, okay. and then maybe that founder is a CEO as well, which is the case at Infobip, um, but. Maybe they're not, maybe they're just shareholders, maybe they maybe they say, listen, like, this is a team of, of management, so feel free to call whoever. So sometimes you talk to head of sales, sometimes you talk to CFO, probably that's m- somebody we work the closest one is, is a CFO given of our course. background as well uh, to make sure we, you know, but sometimes we talk to the CEO, like, okay, there's sometimes we talk to marketing. So there's all these different... Um, you know, avenues that we also build people relationship with with the management of, or some employees as well to to make sure like we get a uh, a real time feedback. And usually, what I, I mean, I I hope a lot of people at InfoBeat can say that we're very approachable. I mean, that we have a lot of uh, I mean, um, different. You know, I was mentioning. Um, uh, you know, Silvio, Roberto, and Isabel. But I, I, have to say, we have a great relationship with, with a lot of other people. You know, um, and I don't want to mention here, so I don't like people. But there, there's a 20, 30 people at least that we're we're constantly talking to, and um, there are uh, you know people in U.S., there are people in Croatia, there, um, and and the, you know different parts also Asia Pacific, in EMEA. I mean. I, I feel we, we are trying to also to reach out. And I think that's also like, you know, if I would say it's a silly, hey, like what's happening here? Like, oh, can we like use a like, call whoever, like call uh, Mattia, call Ivan, call Goran, call whoever. Um, and I think that's that type of like involvement is, is perfect for us because you then feel you have a good grasp of what's happening in, you know, in, in in the whole company. So I hope that answers yeah, your question.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm curious also, like you're into data, obviously, but I also want to hear your opinion. If you if you don't have the data to, to back it up even, like you come from Croatia, a small country, which now has two unicorns. So we have info we have Rima Santobili. How do you think like having a unicorn, having that kind of tech company impacts a country like Croatia that again has like million people What's the impact for like the economy the the society and so on
1: and can it help uh, us Croatia brand itself like a tech country not only sports country because we are famous with regarding tennis or football but can Croatia also become a tech country because of that
0: I well you said and you know we're we're one of the leaders in the world based on per capital on the, you know, you just said we're four, maybe a little less million people. Um, and that's, I think that's, you know, crowds tend to sometimes be negative on how things are sometimes, in sometimes. their own country. <laughs> but this is also something to be proud. I mean, same as we're proud when, um, you know, when we're playing the final of the World Cup, when we are uh, winning medals and Olympic medals in sports, when we're winning Davis Cups in tennis, um, and supporting our, 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 our athletes. I mean, having two unicorns and being one of the leaders in the world based on, you know, per capita in that is something to be proud. Of. I mean, that's a start. Um, I think it has a huge impact. There's some data impact, obviously, in the GDP, but there's also some impact that it's, um, I feel it's almost like um, creates, changes people's mindset, and it's creating the society of excellence. Let's put it that way. And I'll tie it again to sports. I'm, I'm from Split. Split is in particularly known for having great athletes. When I was growing up, in in split i was looking up at you know tony kukoc goran um, our famous water polo players swimmers i mean split per capita has the most olympic medal i think one of the most olympic medal in the world so people who i was looking up to people who i was meeting on the streets when they would come are people who were olympians so my goal was like i just you know it's not my goal was like i want to be olympics because i was like oh that's a normal thing (laughs) it wasn't like and i know you know they people say more and more culture matters and it really does it matters in the company makes society it just shifts your mindset because i know there was and and you're training towards that when you're young age you're not training oh, let me just be an okay player. Like, no, I'm training when I was 11, 12. I'm, I'm, I'm like, remember these guys in 92, in 96, when they were winning medals, what it meant for Croatia, when they were coming home, when they were coming to Zagreb, or Croatia, or split. I was like, oh, it's like, and I see these people on the streets. I'm like, okay, if that guy made it, my goal should be an Olympic, even though I didn't really even comprehend the importance of the Olympic Games. Yeah. Using the same analogy is now there is, you know, as we were moving away from communists towards, you know, the, you know, the democracy, there was a shift in, you know, in people's mind, you know, they will see, you know, they see uh, Silvia driving his business. He could have a job anywhere. He started his own business. Rima started too. There's a lot of, I mean, we already have a couple of exits in other tech companies. Mm-hmm. So I think young people are saying, well, I see Silvio in Zagreb, I see him in Gonyan, I see Rima, like I see these guys. They're like, here, Like why don't I create something? And I, there is a sense of already like a Croatian tech scene uh, when you kind of drill into it. Um, there is a lot of like, a positive, and it's almost like I feel it's a different part of the society almost. But yep. when you go Bubble. to <laughs> it, when you go to these events, when you meet these entrepreneurs, they're in New York, they're in San Francisco, they're in London, they're opening office. They're saying, "Well, yeah, Silvio, we know him. He gave us advice." Or oh, we know this guy. Um, so it, there's you know there's a there's a really good momentum, and and I feel you know using the sports analogy. I feel it's becoming more and more now, okay, these guys did it. Sky's the limit. We have great universities. Let's, you know, let's start, especially in tech, where it doesn't really matter where you are. You can start a business anywhere. And a lot of these things are saying, well, we see these guys did it. Why don't I do it? Why don't I try? And, And that's something where I feel it's becoming, you know, this, you know, the notion why US is so successful in startups is because they're almost promoting it's okay to fail. I mean, how many of these entrepreneurs we're seeing in US, oh, we tried five companies, didn't work, but six, one, oh, unicorn.
1: <laughs>
0: and for us, we kind of like for a long time, you know, there's a difference. They say, do you play to win or are you afraid to lose? You know, it's a, it's a small thing. And for in sports, you always play to win. And I felt in a lot of businesses we we're kind of fear to lose. So, like, oh, we're not gonna go to certain regions because oh, let's just stay here in our domestic market, or let's stay here. And now, you know, I think there was a great mind shift when, you know, info we bought two companies in US. Here we are. I mean, we are making our move. We have great products, we're international. So I feel there's a lot of entrepreneurs now that, you know, we're I am sitting in New York, that's a headquarter of the fund. I'm hearing, you know, I get Croatian entrepreneurs when they reach out, they got a number from Silvia, or they know me and say, Oh, we're you know, we're we were in San Fran and we went to Colorado, in Austin, we went to Miami, there was a great conference, we're in New York, like let's meet. Were you thinking about this? Were you thinking about that? Should we like grow? Should we exit? Should we like So I feel there's a great momentum. So that's one thing I think it changes definitely mentality. And then I think there's, you know, I think there's going to be more data driven, which once you have like what Estonia did, what other like countries did is once we're, you know, successful in those unicorns, there's a huge list of people who will be who are successful and they'll be wealthy. They're going to start creating their own businesses. So it's it's kind of creating the whole from these unicorns. You kind of start creating that ecosystem uh, that we're talking about, which kind of you want to build a society of, of 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 excellence. And I feel in tech, in particular, we can we can really continue. We are one of the leaders based on that. I think we can continue doing that because I also know that um, you know um, Silvio has helped so many entrepreneurs that it come and ask for advice. Well, how do you do this? I mean, having somebody like that as a mentor, I mean, it's already a huge thing. Yeah. Um, so um, I know that, uh, you know, sports has been something that define us for a long time. I wish as an athlete to continue to do that, but I also hope that we also become uh, a country that's known for, you know, basically for startups and tech because I think it will um, also diversify us from tourism that's been highly driven for, for the country and maybe we're too exposed.
1: That's true. Well, in the end, I have one challenge for you. The challenge is that you have to give an answer in one sentence or in one word. <laughs> so what is one thing you can say both in tennis courts and in a room full of investors? What can I do? One thing you can say, both in tennis court and in a room full of investors. Take your time. Yeah.
0: (laughs) We're just getting started.
1: (laughs) Nice one. (laughs)
0: Of course. And with that,
2: we finish our podcast. Thank you, Madam, for being uh, our guest. And uh, see you in the next episode of the podcast with our next guest. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks, guys.